In doing good, let us not grow tired, for in due time we shall reap if we do not relax. Therefore, while we have time, let us do good to all men. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, A man who is constantly looking at his watch is either very busy or very bored. The one feels he must do everything there and now. The other only does what he must and then watches the time pass. Both men will commit the same fault, for neither is likely to do anything well. The perfectionist will fail to do anything well, because although he desires perfection, which is right and good, he overloads himself and thus prevents himself from accomplishing anything well at all. On the other hand, a defeatist doesn't even desire perfection. He can't envision anything better in his present condition and only does what he must to maintain the status quo. In both cases, a man grows tired, either because he has overexerted himself or because he's grown impatient of living life. Certainly, physical fatigue is something very normal. On this earth, we have to work by the sweat of our brow, and sometimes we will need to rest. But if doing good is what we tire of, is that we lack courage. We should never become tired of living a virtuous life, which is none other than doing good to an excellent degree. The fact is, we must overcome obstacles when we strive for Christian perfection. Whether it's the obstacle of our own weakness of the flesh that we have inherited, or of our bad habits that we have cultivated, or of the temptation of human respect from the exterior, especially coming from an unchristian society that does not help, or rather seeks to hinder our good efforts. Yes, if today is difficult even to be a mediocre good person, as they say, then it's very difficult to be a truly virtuous person. Therefore, if we wish to excel in excellent deeds, we need the virtue of magnanimity, which literally means greatness of soul. It's the virtue that prevents us from shrinking back from obstacles in the pursuit of true greatness, only found in Christian perfection. It's a virtue that is sorely lacking today, even among us who call ourselves serious Catholics. For even among us, where Christian piety is certainly well-rooted, there is great reverence for the faith and the perennial moral teaching of the Church, there still occurs this spiritual paralysis for some, or a sort of frenzy for others, that prevents us from truly applying ourselves to grow and to keep growing in virtue. First, regarding spiritual paralysis. Unfortunately, in our spiritual life, this comes about when we fall into what we could call an attitude of spiritual entitlement, squarely opposed to generous love of God and true devotion. It's when we don't want to have to put an effort into our spiritual life, 
We expect salvation and holiness to come to us in a nicely wrapped package. We only do what's comfortable for our self-love and pride, only the minimum of obligatory prayers and devotions. We only do what we absolutely must to avoid hell, the fear of which is sometimes really the main thing driving our moral choices instead of love of God. We don't ask ourselves, how can I be a great saint like St. Therese? We just try and seek to please ourselves, albeit without offending God. Charity greatly suffers from this attitude of spiritual entitlement. True charity makes us see our holiness and happiness, as well as that of our neighbor, as one and the same in God's holiness and goodness, so that we seek to edify our neighbor by being holier ourselves. But when we're not really making an effort to become always holier, our charity slowly diminishes. Another danger that might prevent us from growing in virtue is this sort of frenzy we mentioned above, that prevents one from really developing any virtue because one too eagerly seeks to cultivate them altogether all at once. Like for the perfectionist, they manifest a good desire in and of itself. But often such persons go about it haphazardly and end up not growing in virtue at all, or they end up just choosing a virtue which pleases them the most, that they are naturally inclined to practice more perfectly, perhaps little by little neglecting the others. But because they may practice one thing well, they may be tempted to seek the vainglory that St. Paul warns us of in the Epistle. Literally, an empty glory that is not deserved, because glory is a praise due to excellence. But such souls are precisely not excelling in virtue, and therefore not bottom. St. Paul warns us also, For if anyone thinks himself to be something, whereas he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let everyone test his own work, and so he will have glory in himself only, and not in comparison with another. What then is the right way of going about making spiritual progress? First, let us not misinterpret St. Paul's words. He doesn't say that we should remain nothing, but simply that we deceive ourselves if we think ourselves falsely to be something. But if we are indeed truly nothing, our Lord wants us to become something through His grace. Our Lord wants you to be virtuous. He wants you to be a great saint. If we suffer from spiritual paralysis, we need more magnanimity. It's never going to be easy, but we have to try hard, even if we make mistakes, to always become holier. Remember that you can never remain in the same spiritual state, and for that matter, a lukewarm state, for long. You will either die or you break out of it. For the upcoming generation, we have unfortunately grown up in a society where people don't commit to anything. Even among Catholics, firmly rooted in tradition with a good upbringing. Why do so many wait so long to discern God's calling to the priesthood or to, start, or to start a Catholic family through holy matrimony. 
or to choose any stable position in life. It's often the fear of making a commitment or of making an effort. Even for the elder generations, why is there so often so much hesitation in living out one's vocation, whether the priesthood, religious life, or marriage, as if a commitment hadn't already been made? Life's not easy, and the spiritual life isn't any easier. So we must put in our constant effort, and we must know that we can't settle for a so-called good enough in the spiritual life. Otherwise, we'll simply end up lukewarm and repugnant to God. Dear faithful, we have to overcome the obstacles. We need to ask God to give us greater magnanimity, a greater greatness of soul. Next, we must follow the advice of our dear St. Francis de Sales to avoid mishaps in our search for virtue. The great saint says, In practicing any virtue, it is well to choose that which is most according to our duty, rather than most according to our taste. Every calling stands in a special need of some special virtue. Those required of a prelate, a prince, or a soldier are quite different. So are those becoming of a wife or a widow. And although all should possess every virtue, yet all are not called upon to exercise them equally, but each should cultivate chiefly those which are important to the manner of life to which he is called. Next he advises us, among such virtues as have no special adaptation to our own calling, choose the most excellent, not the most showy. Choose the best virtues, not those which are most highly esteemed. The most excellent, not the most visible. The truest, not the most conspicuous. Here we see how important again is magnanimity, which we need precisely to practice the best, most excellent, and truest virtues, because greatness of soul is what helps us overcome the obstacles in the way of attaining perfection. Finally, the saint tells us what some of these best virtues are, that he calls the little virtues. There are virtues of universal account, which must not only be called as vocational action, but ought to spread their influence over everything. We may not often come across opportunities for exercising strength, magnanimity, and magnificence, but gentleness, temperance, modesty, and humility are graces which ought to color everything we do. Funny enough, St. Francis de Sales mentions magnanimity as a virtue of more rare opportunity, which would be very true, especially in a truly Christian society where virtue is facilitated by genuine Catholic culture, such as his. But I dare to think that in such an unchristian society as ours today, where there are so many obstacles to the virtuous life, that he would agree the chances to exercise magnanimity have greatly increased, and we must even practice it daily. The gentle saint himself was one of the greatest, most valiant souls of all time. When you think of all the spiritual and earthly obstacles he had to overcome to convert those thousands of souls from Calvinism in the Shabbat. His magnanimity helped him to be one of the greatest saints by being one of the gentlest saints, despite even his naturally hot temper. 
How closely was he matched later by St. Therese of the Child Jesus? A saint, as we know, who also loved the little virtues, but never ever settled for being a little saint, only to be a great saint. She also had this great magnanimity. So, dear faithful, let us turn away from any defeatism or frenzy that threatens to kill our spiritual life in its youth, so that our soul does not die before its time, like the young man of today's gospel. If we have had the misfortune to succumb to temptation, to despair, or to give up our spiritual efforts, hear the words of our Lord today. Young man, I say to you, arise. As the saying goes, have the guts about the glory. Let us pray to our blessed Lord today to give us the spiritual guts to overcome our spiritual sloth and our obsessive self-love and to pursue virtue without stopping so that the true glory that comes from God may be ours on the last day. In doing good, let us not grow tired, for in due time we shall reap if we do not relax. Therefore, while we have time, let us do good to all men. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.